Welcome to another episode of the Community Pulse. My name is Jason Hand, and you can find me on Twitter at Jason Hand. I'm Mary Thingval. You can find me on Twitter at Mary underscore Grace. This episode today is a little bit different. We're talking about a program called Ignite. And while none of these folks have community in their title, they're all very much invested in communities and involved in building new communities around the world. So first of all, Ignite, what is it? Uh, Ignite is actually how I got my start in community. Um, I started out by helping out with a lot of the back end of this awesome program uh, that was started by Brady Forrest and Bree Pettis. We'll be talking to Brady today and a couple of his colleagues about what Ignite is and how it got started and what it has to do with communities in general. So guests, how about you introduce yourselves? Brady, you want to start us off? Sure. Hey, I'm Brady Forrest. Uh, yeah, I co-founded Ignite 10 years ago with Bree Pettis. I now run Ignite Talks PBC, a company that was created to support Ignites around the world and that is only one year old. And uh, Part of my day job is helping out hardware startups at Highway One, a hardware accelerator in San Francisco that I also co-founded. And this is Megan. Awesome. Hi there, I'm Megan Groves, and I've been working with Ignite Talks PBC for the last year on the strategic advisor side, um, focusing on marketing. Um, my background is in uh, publishing and media, and so um, I'm bringing several years of content experience to, um, to Ignite Talks to help us uh, improve and grow our distribution. And uh, my day job is uh, I'm co-founder of a company called Interim CMO. So I work with um, early stage startups uh, on the growth marketing side. Yeah, my name is Brian Zug. I'm one of the organizers of Ignite Seattle. Uh, showed up to do video at the very first Ignite a little over 10 years ago. Uh, in my day job, I'm a product manager and UX director, uh, freelance, and previously with Techstars and Startup Weekend, so lots of community stuff. Cool. Well, welcome to the show. We're excited to, to have you and um, dive into yeah, you know, more about this Ignite stuff. Absolutely. So, Brady, can you give us a little background on Ignite? Uh, where did it start? Why did it start? What's the history? Things like that. Sure. Well, Bree Pettis and I met in Brussels while we were both working for O'Reilly Media. And we wanted to have a geek event in Seattle. I had been involved in a number of geek events, had seen them kind of peter out because they were just too involved. They were a full weekend or they were an evening event that just ended up being a glorified pizza meal. And Bree and I both wanted something that would bring the geek community together. And we started calling it Innovation Night. And as we kept like working on it and figuring out what it would be, and it would be a lot about people sharing what they were excited about, what their passions were, what their innovations were. Uh, the title we came up with was uh, Innovation Group Night. Night Seattle. We had no idea that it would spread. Uh, otherwise, we might have picked a name that was a little cleaner, that wouldn't compete with church groups and leadership councils and uh, every other type of uh, community organization out there. But pick it, we did. And while we were build, building the event, we had all these ideas about having lots of speakers and panels and everything was five and 10 minutes long. And I had heard about this event in Kucha, where speakers got 20 slides, 20 seconds a slide, six minutes and 40 seconds for designers and architects. But it was specifically for those communities, not for geeks. 
And so I decided to take a page from their toolbook and use the auto advanced slides, but I wanted it to be just five minutes long. 20 slides, 15 seconds a slide. And these were the ask later talks of the evening. As we got closer to the event, we realized that Bree and I had created a goat rodeo. And the goat rodeo for our first event was just not a good idea. So we really simplified it. And Bree ran a contest for building popsicle stick bridges in the beginning. And that's, you know, he was working at Make Magazine, so it made a lot of sense to do that. And the winning bridge had uh, held 700 pounds. And then we had way too many five minute auto dancing slide Ignite Talks. And that first night we thought we had about 100 people coming, 200 people showed up. And the bar was so filled, so Brian and I were just reminiscing in preparation for this, that if someone left to get a drink, they couldn't get back into the room. And so three months later, Bree and I decided to throw the second one and we moved upstairs to a 400 person room, which also filled up this time. And we had our series of five minute talks and it was still just Bree and I kind of playing around. And then I brought it to San Francisco as part of the Web2 Expo in Moscone Center. And that's when it, I think it really started to hit big time and that there were people who didn't live in San Francisco who saw it, who then took it home. And it got written up in CNET. And later that summer, without any focus or thought by Bri and I, other than when to throw the next one in Seattle, Ignite groups started popping up across the US. And then over the next year, I would say about 10 chapters formed. And that's kind of where I step in. So things started picking up at O'Reilly and they needed someone to handle the back end side of it, the communication, the organization of the events, figuring out when they would happen and how they would happen and what it looked like. Um, and from the time that I started helping with it uh, until several years later when I left the company, we had grown to over several thousand events worldwide um historically and we had a just a fantastic group of organizers uh including brian and many others and i started realizing that this was a true bringing together of community and these these stories that were coming out of the events of you know people who met each other and ended up starting businesses together or shared dreams about things that they wanted to do but didn't have anyone to collaborate with things like that that were coming out of them which turned me on to it even more um, from a community aspect because those were the things about building community that I loved it was the connecting people and bringing people together and making sure that folks who had similar interests had had met each other and were able to share those things which was exciting and awesome and really really launched my imagination in the community space as a whole yeah but i remember those early days i remember when there was we we debated should we set up a mailing list for organizers and that was the first google group uh, we got the YouTube channel Ignite and we started just uploading videos. Uh, later we started up the Ignite show, which took the best videos from around the world and we would create this central channel and promote those videos. Right. Um, we started a Twitter account, but these were all things that 
it wasn't it wasn't as obvious as it is now. Like, oh, I'm starting up a community, Google group, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Reddit, blah 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 blah. These tools were all coming out as we were making this. It was a it was an adventure at the time. Definitely was. So I'm going to pose a question, uh, not anyone specific, uh, or not to anyone specific, but as this has grown, uh, first time I'd ever heard of Ignite was Ignite Boulder, mm -hmm. um, which is where I am, and it was just just around, not even 10 feet from here at the Boulder Theater, cool. um, and uh, I, it was the first time I'd not only heard of it, but the first time I'd been to one, and I was encouraged to go by sort of all the, what we were calling at the time, the Twitterati, sort of like the local cool tech kids. Um, that I immediately wanted to plug into, um, but they seemed to be the ones who were in the know and knew that this was happening, but I never really understood why or who was behind all that. Is there, do you see some sort of patterns in the different cities that pop up in terms of how they actually take off? Because this was an event that I'd never heard of, but the place was packed and Boulder Theater is not a small place either. I mean, what I've observed in these different towns is back when we first got started, it was people who were going to O'Reilly events. And then they were, they weren't necessarily starting their own company, but they wanted to be um, central to their community. And this was a way of doing that, of bringing their community together and to build their own network. And as Ignite as the event would grow and their network would grow, they would bring on other people usually. And then after a while, they would usually pass on the event. But that actually comes to like one of the first lessons that I've seen from Ignite. So I think, you know, when we first started with Ignite, it was just, we had, we had a very conscious decision within O'Reilly. Okay, we're gonna let it just grow. We're not gonna, there's gonna be no cease and desist as long as people are being good with the brand and following the, the principle behind it and not trying to make tons of money from it, we're gonna let anybody do an Ignite. That is the whole point of this thing. Uh, what caused problems later is people who then just stopped doing it, but they held on to the website, they held on to the Facebook group, they held on to the Twitter account, and suddenly the videos are locked in, can't take a video down, can't start up a new chapter, even though the old chapter heads are, have moved on. And so there's this, I think, a fundamental challenge with an organization like Ignite or a movement like Ignite that later became an organization is how much control do you want to front in such a way that it doesn't hamper growth? If we had spent too much time laying down rules, then I don't think Ignite would be even a quarter of the size of it, if it was even still around. And yet, now that uh, we're trying to bring a little more organization into it, uh, it's a real challenge. Like it took nine months to get the old Twitter handles in Ignite DC, just because the people had moved on and we couldn't we couldn't get the logins. And they were trying to help out. We've lost Twitter accounts with thousands of followers because those people have just moved on and can't get back into the accounts. It's a really interesting conundrum that we haven't solved, and we've mostly decided that we're just going to have to move forward with best practices as opposed to trying to clean up old mistakes. Yeah. I feel like that's a very common <clears throat> thread or a very common theme for a lot of sort of movements that, that end up looking like these events, basically, you know, that happen, that seem to just sort of very emergently just pop up out of nowhere. 
Uh, I myself am an organizer for an event called DevOps Days Rockies, which is part of a you know, similar type of movement where they just started, the first one was in Ghent uh, in Belgium in uh, 2006, I want to say, or 2005. And then ever since then, it's just been growing and growing and growing. I've been doing, doing this for three years now, and it's already you know, quadrupled the size since, since then. And there's no centralized, there's really no centralized body that kind of owned everything. And that helped the traction, helped it kind of grow. <clears throat> because there wasn't some sort of rules or something in place or, you know, a lot that you had a lot of barrier to get it going. Um, but now it's gotten so big that we have to sort of collectively say, how do we want to manage this? Because left unchecked, it may turn into something that doesn't really represent what it was intended to be. Is that, is that sort of what the concerns were or, or maybe still are? Yeah, we, you know, we had a, um, we haven't seen this so much in the U S but there was a country in Europe where, we found out one person had grabbed all of the Twitter domains for about 10 different cities. And so uh, like Ignite blah, 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 Ignite blah, 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 two, Ignite blah, 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 three. And then she would sub-license the Ignites to local city organizers. And so we had to sort of step in and, and be like, no, you can't do that. Like it should be run by the people in the city. Yeah. Uh, a counter example to that is what we saw in Tunisia, where there's, I think, I think it's eight different cities where Ignites are happening. And we thought that same behavior was happening, but instead, they're all just uh, enforcing good behavior on each other and just making sure that, like, if an Ignite starts up in another city in Tunisia, like, here are the best practices for our country. Let's work together, coordinate events. We're not that big. Let's support each other. So that's been, that's the type of behavior we try to encourage. Also right now from a kind of global, uh, global perspective, one of the things that we're looking at is uh, asking ourselves questions about uh, health and succession and how can we provide resources to the existing chapters as well as the newly signed on chapters and um, you know, educate them on, on this concept of passing on what they've been doing and how can we start to create a little bit more structure and, um, give them reusable templates and that kind of thing. So, you know, starting to build into the process now that the org is a little bit more mature. And that's a common, it's a common discussion at Ignite Seattle because we've been doing it so long that, um, you know, how can we document some of our best practices and share them wider with the community in order to spread Ignite far and wide? So we think more Ignite is a good thing, a good thing for the world. Yeah. I wonder if it's worth um, explaining uh, the new kind of phase of Ignite with Ignite Talks PBC. Because I think we've talked around it, but we haven't talked about that formation. Absolutely, so, please do. You know, Ignite was started in 2006, kind of spread organically for several years. Then Mary and I really, and Bree to some extent, though we later stepped away, uh, started to focus on growing it as a community. Created Ignite Show, which is a podcast that highlighted the best videos from around the world. Did Global Ignite Week twice, which was have as many Ignites as possible during a one-week span, we did that in, uh, two, two times at 65 cities, uh, participated at one point, and we had IgniteShow.com, which was a portal for videos. Then Mary and I both left O'Reilly, and it, Ignite just sort of stayed as it was and was in stasis. New licenses were handed out, but without any indoctrination into the culture. It was literally, you would email Ignite at O'Reilly and you would get back a zip file. And so there are so many Ignite 
uh, chapters out there that have no connection to the earlier broader community. In 2015, I started talking to O'Reilly about, hey, what can we do with Ignite? Is there, does it make sense to take it out and give it its own company, give it its own organization with a goal of supporting all these Ignite chapters? And that became Ignite Talks PDC, a public benefit corporation that's been sponsored by Foundry Group, Microsoft, Google, and PCH, supported by other uh, groups through in-kind services. And our goal is to start licensing people again so that there's a formal license and indoctrination, and then building up that central channel again so that an Ignite local chapter can start to get highlighted by the central chapter. And we can be, begin this kind of community-based media that helps promote Ignite around the world and provides a forum for public speakers worldwide. Right. And we were talking beforehand, and Brady, you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of speakers that are now speaking at conferences that are keynoting conferences that are working in conjunction with major events around the world whose first speaking engagement was an Ignite talk. And that's a fantastic way to kind of point to the value of these types of events and the value that you as a company are providing to folks. You know, having the, having the five minute talk, I personally think it's, probably more difficult than a half hour talk. <laughs> it's definitely because, more difficult. Right. You have to know what you're saying. You have to know exactly what your points are. You have to know exactly when your slides are switching. But the folks who are able to do that and able to put themselves in that type of a situation and succeed, I think people can see value both in the talk that they're giving as well as value in them as a speaker. That's gone a long way in, in helping launch some people's speaking careers well, I would, <clears throat> oh, go ahead uh, one of the so one of the things we do at Ignite Seattle is we do a couple of sessions of speaker training so one of the members on our team is Scott Birkin who's written books on public speaking and does training um, he and some of the other leaders run folks through and the consistent feedback that we get is this is some of the best public speaker training they've ever gotten in their career professional development right. so people see it as a way of leveling up it's also accessible, right? I think for speakers, when they see an Ignite talk and they're seeing topics that are, you know, very specialized, but also some that are just by, you know, neighbors of theirs, just like them or community members, they can visualize themselves in the format and that gives them the gumption to try it in front of a super friendly audience like Ignite. And then I think that one of the, one of the key things about that is I think that's how you also get people to be organizers is, it's not only the Ignite format, but it's the template of running a night. You can see yourself almost like stepping in, you can visualize yourself stepping into that kind of organizer template of here's an event, it's got a defined beginning, middle, and end, it's not overwhelming. Here's an entry, you know, an on-ramp into the community that provides a lot of inspiration around uh, and for both the speakers and the folks who end up organizing and leading the experience. Yeah, and what I was going to say was that I, th I think that's another aspect that's sort of tied to that is, and, and this is definitely whether by design, I'm guessing it is or not, but um, it's a very inviting brand. Like, you, you know you don't have to be an awesome speaker. This may be your first time speaking. You know that there's, there's uh, just a, a level of support behind the whole process, and then also your audience 
is nothing but friends and family and coworkers and people that are just there to support you and like cheer you on, even if you take a complete nosedive in the middle of your talk. That, that usually gets the most biggest eruption of, it, of applause because somebody, you know, was able to just keep moving. And I think that that's part of like what invites people that have never done this before to, to get in there. And they know that there's, you know, this sort of standardized coaching method to make sure that this, the presentations are, are done, you know, very well, but also in a somewhat one of the, good way. One of the inviting aspects that you hit on that's uh, amazing is there's usually one or two talks where somebody pauses or they, they're missing the rhythm and the audience at Ignite Seattle, and I think in all the other Ignites I've seen, is they're just one of the most generous audiences. It's where everybody starts cheering for the, the person, and you just sort of feel like you've got, you know, at Ignite Seattle, you've got 800 people cheering for you, encouraging you on, and not heckling you. It's just a really inviting format to where, gosh, you know, this is a safe place to try this out if I haven't done it before. Absolutely. Exactly. I think it's also worth pointing out that part of the appeal is, that the talks are done at five yeah. minutes. <laughs> that yeah. talk, you right. know that you're only signing up for a five minute talk. Yeah. Give right. her, you know, come hell or high water, you are done. Exactly. Uh, I remember I went to an event Portland and the way they do it is they render all that. They have an introductory speaker and then they don't have an MC. They just render everything to a video and they have 15 second gaps. And uh, they had a problem at the end of one person's slide, and it came back and it was at the next person's first slide. She body checked him. She got him off the stage. <laughs> that her train had already left, and there was no, like, there's no friendship in Ignite when it comes to that uh, slide transition. Right, right. Too funny. So we mentioned this a little bit earlier when you mentioned some of the organizers in Tunisia and things like that, but how, how has Ignite brought people together? Um, what are some of the stories that you've seen of uh, businesses starting or friendships or, or anything like that? Uh, we, we had two Ignite speakers that met uh, through each doing a talk and that later got married on stage in five minutes at Ignite Seattle. That's, that is great. Uh, we've not been able to talk that one. He actually, yeah, Noah hit on Teresa after her first talk. And then, yeah, they later later got married. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. That sounds like a new business model. <laughs> Surprise wedding. There you go. There just to talk. The first two minutes of their wedding Ignite talk was about their relationship. And then suddenly a friend who was a rabbi came out on stage. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> Fantastic. That's fantastic. We'll have to post that video in the show notes. It's definitely worth watching. Yeah. Uh, one other story that comes to mind, like, so we had the mayor of Seattle come and give an Ignite talk the first time we were at Town Hall. It was a great talk, but it was mostly his talking points. But before him, we had somebody who got up who was actually shot in the Virginia Tech shootings. And she did a talk about how she wore sneakers that day. And Mayor McGinn got up and he just said, the stuff I'm talking about tonight is way not as important as the other stuff that I'm hearing here. It was just a reminder of like, when you give people access to that to tell their story and their unique experience and a broad platform to share, incredible things happen. Yeah. And I think it's worth uh, asking Brian to talk about the friendships that have formed Money Unite Seattle. So I was, I was a part of that group until I moved to San Francisco in 2012, but Brian, 
uh, and the crew have really formed a tight bond and a, and a really cohesive group. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. The most, the, the biggest compliment is, so we just did our first day planning retreat to try and get strategic about what special projects we want to do over the next year. And we, we started off by doing a, why do you do Ignite? And it's like, this is my favorite team. This is, I love coming here and just hanging out with these people. Ignite is sort of a byproduct of what we get to do together. I sort of came into it for Ignite, but I'm here because of the team. Um, and yeah, it's just been a really incredible experience. Yeah, I gotta say that's very similar to my own experience with the whole DevOps days stuff is that I went in wanting to just start the local chapter and, and now it's a group of friends that get together annually to put on this event. And then our group of friends grows every single year uh, because we bring in new speakers and we bring in um, you know more people that come attend and then they decide they wanna speak the next year. So it just sort of grows you know, grassroots style. Um, one of the things, well, and, and as also something I wanted to add, at DevOps days, part of the format is to include Ignites. So every day we have, you know, usually five to six Ignites right after lunch. Um, and then we move into our open spaces portion of the event. So it kind of mixes a lot of different stuff, but Ignites is a very big part of it. And um, usually the, it's uh, probably the most entertaining for a lot of people. Um, and at least in the audience, it's the most terrifying for the, for the actual presenters. <laughs> um, That's the goal. That's yeah. The goal. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you'll, you'll be happy to know that uh, Mary is going to be come, coming to Denver to speak at DevOps Days Rockies, and she's giving an indictment. It's true. It's true. I think that should be your new tagline, by the way. Entertaining for the audience and terrifying for the speakers. <laughs> also, another thing that I, I don't know that it, it came out from um, DevOps days, but the first time I'd ever seen it was a um, Ignite karaoke, which has another, become another staple of DevOps days um, in terms of their social events, which are always fun. Also, uh, as an anecdote to comment on, on global spread, what we see is uh, in areas or regions where one chapter gets licensed, you tend to see a lot of other events starting to nearby the surrounding area start to incorporate more of the Ignite model for their hmm. conference or event and or additional chapters getting licensed. So even kind of on a, on a macro view, it's like, you know, where there's an Ignite in a particular zone, you know, it really encourages um, that model to spread and, and you can really get the sense that people around are uh, warming up to that model and um, starting to see how it benefits communities. Definitely. So speaking of, of global spread, let's talk a little bit about Global Ignite Week, because that's coming up. You mentioned that you're doing one this year. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about why, why is it special this year in particular? How many cities are locked in? What's been the process around that? Uh, so far, we have 21 cities locked in on all six primarily inhabited continents. And it's May 15th through the 21st. And this is the first Ignite uh, Global Ignite Week in about five years. So that's a pretty significant jump. It's the first one done by the independent company. And the process has just been to reach out to our organizers mailing list and let people know that we're doing it and the folks that were able to schedule their events around it are doing so and everyone else is gonna look on and envy. And a lot of ways, like we do it as a global Ignite week versus a day because it gives people the opportunity, one, to watch everyone else's live streams, two, sometimes it's hard to get the venue all for just one single day. Um, 
But for us, it's really kind of a just, we have so many chapters around the world. What's a thing that we can, and we're all over the world. What's a thing we can do together? And this is something that we can do together. Love it. Where, where, did, did you say where it is, this, uh, this one that's coming up? Where's it located? Well, no, it's in, it's in every individual chapter's home. Oh, I so see. There's going to be a night in Seattle that week, in Boulder, in SF, in New York. Okay. Uh, in, in Spain, Colombia, Buenos Aires. Yeah, Mexico City, Bogota. Uh, the Thailand, where in Asia, I forget. All over Tunisia. Cairo. Um, so yeah. Uh, and what are the dates of that in case people are interested in checking it out? May 15th. May 15th starts. Okay. And it's kind of, it's a, you know, it's a way for us to do something together. It's also a way to grab new chapters and encourage people like, hey, if you've been thinking about doing this, like, just go for it. Right. Like, it makes a pretty low stress for everyone but the speaker. Uh, in general, <laughs> but you know, this is a week to do it when you'll be supported as that speaker on stage. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, um, we are getting a little bit towards the end of the show. All right. Uh, what other, let's see, what other things we have? We have one more question, Mary, that we want to get to them? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Um, so this is one we kind of came up with ahead of time. So, uh, just see what you guys think here, but what would you change given the opportunity? If you could go back and change uh, anything from the very beginning of this whole Ignite story. And I was, I was thinking this through as we were talking earlier about some of the, you know, how, how communities change along the way, how intentions change along the way, how issues that you aren't anticipating come up, things like that. And that's stuff that, that people struggle with, with meetups. It's stuff that people struggle with, with the, DevOps days. It's stuff that community managers struggle with all the time. So yeah, what, what would you change or would you change anything? In all honesty, I don't think there's much I would change uh, because everything has worked out really well. Ignite still exists. People still love it. Uh, I'm not looking for this to be anything other than a company that's sustained for the community. So I'm pretty happy with where it is. I do wish we'd continue doing Global Ignite Week, and we'd continue doing um, the Ignite Show just to keep those that momentum going, because now we, we're in the process of rebuilding both of those things. Right. Those are minor regrets when it comes down to it. Yeah. Very cool. All right. <clears throat> well, uh, you got one thing? From a com community organizer point of view, I think like some of the lead organizers or the older teams like beginning to coordinate a little earlier to like do best practices in an organized way, right? Which we didn't have as many tools to do that then when it started as we do now, but I still think we could, you know, work towards that to do a, a little bit better job along the way to benefit uh, the whole movement. Makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. And yeah. Megan, as the newest member of the team, what are the things that you would change or what are you lo most looking forward to? Yeah, I was going to say not so much a regret, but one of uh, one of the main goals that we have, of course, is continuing to build out our stable of resources that we can provide uh, chapter organizers. Mm -hmm. that, you know, the health of the events and the health of growing awesome speakers really depends on the ability to um, supply them with resources. Brian mentioned they provide a lot of training. That's awesome. I'd also like to see us help them 
get better, you know, from a, an operational perspective, putting on great events, but also promoting it. So I think, um, you know, our, a lot of our uh, focus in this coming year is on continuing to develop our relationships with the chapter organizers and be facilitators for them, uh, creating better experiences for the audience and in turn recruiting more speakers and, and you know, doing, doing that will um, certainly foster the impact that it might have in communities. Very cool. Great. Cool. Well, we've got just a few more minutes, so uh, we're kind of getting into the portion of the show where we uh, go around the horn and ask everybody to give us some recommendations on something they're they're either into right now, and it can be community related or anything otherwise. Um, yeah, just something you'd like to share uh, with our, our listeners and, and Mary and I. So, uh, Mary, why don't you start, and then because you were probably expecting to go last. So. <laughs> I was, but it's okay. I have something ready this time. So. Uh, well, first of all, um, something that I will have in the next few episodes, I'm sure. I sent out a tweet last week um, asking for resources for leadership materials or uh, business strategy type stuff. I've been trying to kind of gain some experience with those with those things and put out a, a list of or a query for a list of resources rather um and got a lot of great recommendations so thanks for everyone who who sent me stuff about that and i'll be talking about those episodes to come um but one of my colleagues dropped a random website in our our corporate slack the other day um for something called species in pieces um three words hyphens in between them species in pieces.com we'll drop it in the show notes but it's this fascinating website that uh, my colleague fell in love with because he's our UX designer and, and front-end web developer. Um, and it's a CSS-based interactive site that walks through 30 different species that are endangered. So it's kind of a random, um, fascinating way to, to walk through those species. And it rearranges the elements on the page into pictures of the different animals as you walk through it. So it's kind of a, a cool thing to click through and it's educational and, and interesting as well as beautiful. That's what I got for this week. Cool. All right, Brian, how about you? Uh, so I do a lot of video production. Uh, one of the things we've been playing around with uh, that brings the quality up and the cost down is a device called Amiibo, M-E-E-V-O. It's a little 4K camera where you can simulate four different um, 1080p cameras and just control it all from an iPhone. So it's like what, what would be, you know, a big broadcast truck way back in the day now fits in a little backpack, set it up on a tripod. You can get your audio into the iPhone and have like a really high quality broadcast, streaming broadcast, and then recording of events like Ignite or, or any other type of thing. Uh, it's, it's really cool device. And that's actually, so we're going to be doing an Ignite. Ryan and I didn't coordinate this, but we're going to be doing an Ignite uh, all day at South by Southwest on Tuesday. We'll have 40 different speakers across four different sessions. And that's how we'll be live streaming it. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. No prior coordination. No prior coordination. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, what about you? What would you like people to check out? Um, let's see. Uh, growth tool. Um, most recent growth tool that I've been playing around with that I like a lot is called Audience with an S. Um, it's a really interesting way of um, 
interacting with specific communities um, across social. You can set up a whole bunch of different parameters to, um, you know, find people in particular interest groups. You can do automated messages. You can, um, uh, there's just a whole bunch of integrations. So um, that's, that's one thing that I would recommend checking out um, from a growth marketing perspective. Um, otherwise, I just got back from dancing at Carnival in Colombia. So. Nice. So my head's still kind of there. Yeah. <laughs> Understandably so. <laughs> and gearing up for South by Southwest next week, of course. Cool. Cool. Freddie. Cool. Um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. I recommend Pod Save America. This is a bunch of former Obama staffers just chatting about stuff. Um, if anyone actually can recommend a good iPhone slash Mac mail client i would love i'm all ears i don't know if requests are possible uh, <laughs> absolutely and finally a thing that i just i'm a fidget and so i'd like to recommend one of these <laughs> <laughs> my son is fascinated with this and I, huh. it's the first one I've seen. so i'd only seen these as a kind of like a high-end object like in you know like sexy being milled out of raw titanium adamantium you know <laughs> NASA bearings, and it turns out, no, you just go on Amazon, you can find them for like 20 bucks. So, <laughs> highly recommend uh, it for the fidget in your life. Uh, though some can be loud, so you might want to, maybe you want to spend 30. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm a fidgeter as well, and fidget cubes have come in. But I actually, I. <laughs> No, not for you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I color me unimpressed. All right, um, all right. Six sides, only one was satisfying to me. All right, we'll have to do a Twitter poll, see what people think. This right. <laughs> I'll, send, I'll send over the link to this. Okay. Sounds good, sounds good. Cool. Right, and I, you're up. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, just a couple quick ones. Um, I'm like in the middle of like five different books. But one that's uh, really kind of resonating with me, um, it, I don't know, in a, def in a couple different ways, is called the the myth, uh, or sorry, the Beyond the E Myth, which I guess there was the E Myth was like a popular book back 20 years ago or something, and this is sort of a rewrite of that with a lot uh, more studies in it. And, uh, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. It's more on the marketing side than than on the community and, and growth side, but there's just a lot of overlap. So anyway, it's a book I'm reading that I thought our readers might be interested in. Uh, another thing that I recently discovered um, that we may use on the video aspect of these podcasts, um, just to put in a little intro with our logo and just some basics, uh, but it's a uh, SaaS, um, so it's a service online called Videos, V-I-D-D-Y-O-Z-E. Just a super cheap way to just like kind of make your videos look a little bit sweeter. Huh. Um, anyway. I thought that was kind of cool. And then the other thing that's top on my mind right now is I'm organizing DevOps Days Rockies. So if we've got any listeners in the front range, that's going to be on April 10th and 11th. And Mary's going to be there speaking. Yep, yep. And our well, other host, PJ, will be there speaking as well. PJ will be speaking. I'll be emceeing. So it's going to be a fun time. Awesome. All right, Mary, why don't you take us away? Sure, sounds good. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Community Pulse. Uh, you can find us online, communitypulse.io. And I am Mary Thingval, at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter. And I'm Jason Hand, at Jason Hand on Twitter. 
Thank you so much for uh, listening. And thank you to our guests, Brian, Megan, and uh, Brady. It's been awesome to have you on here. And um, we'll see you all later. Okay.